This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. And welcome back to the Masters of Modern Podcast. I am your host, Captain Boat, here with my co-host and minion, Ben Bateman. What have you done with Alex? I am oh, now, God. I am now the boss of this battle boss podcast. You'll never be my boss. I'm, I, I'm a, a cap, that's captain. I didn't go to seven years of captain school to not be called Captain Boat. I'm not Boss Boat. I'm Captain Boat. <laughs> not one minute into the show, and we are already completely off the rails. Welcome, everybody, <laughs> to the MMCast, our uh, weekly show. We talk modern content in the Magic the Gathering world, and uh, we have a second half of a set review we have to do today for the newest set. That is the true. Brand, the brand newest Magic cards in all the land. So, uh, And before we do that, that uh, that was Captain Boat. He's one of the bosses from the game that we are coming out with and have released and is now going back to Kickstarter backers called Battle Bosses. You get cool figures like Captain Boat here or Ryu, who looks like a dragon. Well, she is a dragon right here. Uh, so definitely check that out at kess.co slash shop uh, or, or just battlebosses.com. Um, and we'd love for your feedback. It's a dope game. Uh, and then uh, today, also, if you uh, are going to go buy stuff at TCG Player, there's a link below. And if you click that link, uh, you get to um, help the podcast. Anything you buy in TCG Player from moving forward until you click another creator's content link uh, will just like it'll remember that we sent you there. So it's really appreciated if you use that link when you buy stuff helps us out uh, and helps the podcast out. Absolutely. Uh, we, and we, we are always trying to get better and grow and evolve. So anyway, you guys can help us do that. If you like the show, please do. Uh, as normal in our episodes, we just did our shout out at the beginning. Uh, there's trivia that's important. And the way this game works is you are going to hit that. Uh, we're going to ask you a trivia question. I'm going to ask Ben a trivia question. He's going to try and answer it. If you get it correctly, uh, please comment below. Go comment your answer while Ben's trying to figure it out. Uh, if you get it correct, you don't have to do anything. That's You're not betting anything. But if you get it wrong, you have to hit that like button. That's really the important thing. Uh, if you get it right and you want to hit that like button. Got to do it. Great. That's appreciated. But if you get it wrong, if you don't know the answer to the trivia question or you get guess the wrong one you definitely have to hit the like button that's the bet you made we apologize that we're forcing you to hit that like button but it helps all the algorithms and it's super appreciated regardless uh but ben yes in 2010s from the vault there was one of the uh enemy colored protection swords included in that set and it was the yep. first time we saw that it was later printed immediately after that uh in the next block of yep. the swords which one was printed in from the vault relics which of the famous protection sword equipment was debuted in from the vault relics well alex you see i know this one this protection from blue and green and mm. it is sword of body and mind it was originally previewed in that from the vault and it came out just shortly thereafter in uh wasn't it in, in it's just in the Mirrodin or Scars of Mirrodin? Not Mirrodin. You have the answer. You have the answer. You have the, I, I want that. And that's another the set. Part. What uh, set was it, it came in? came out in Scars of Mirrodin, I think. Yep, that is correct. What year? Oh. Uh, okay, let's trace it back here and try to go, go back in my mind. 
Well, you actually, did you say it at the beginning? You might have said it. But Scars of Mirrodin would have been. Got back in at New Phyrexia, I think. Hmm. This is, but this 2000, is just before two, our friendship. It's 2010? Yep, correct. That was it. It was 2010. You got it. All right. Uh, so that's true, everyone. Uh, hit that like button. And uh, if you got it wrong, if you got it right, also just hit the like button. Come on. Be, be, be a pal. <laughs> Friends. Be a pal. <laughs> All right. And last last thing, uh, shout out to our patron uh, and specifically Patrick Davidson. Thank you so much for being a noble of House Martin. Pinky's up. Pinky's up. Thank you to our other patrons for making this podcast happen. If you would like to be a part of that patron, you can click the link below, patreon.com slash cast, and you get the episode a week early. That's the big thing. Uh, if you get up to a higher level, we'll start shouting you out. We'll follow you on Twitter. There's a bunch of other cool stuff on there, so check that out as well. But the big one is early access and basically a direct line of communication to me and Ben because uh, we'll, we'll, that, is, that is the easiest place where uh, we will respond. Uh, all right. Now, let's get into the review. We are second half gonna sneeze <laughs> uh, second half of midnight haunt um hunt it's a midnight hunt as the world would like to tell me i like haunt better why do i like i i was convinced it was haunt because you'd said it that way so many times yep it's midnight hunt because werewolves hunt they don't haunt oh, um so today yes. today in the set review we are doing planeswalkers uh enchantments instance sorceries and lands if you uh want to check out the previous thing uh it is on the channel on youtube or on any place you listen to your podcast for creatures and artifacts uh that's that's over there we are starting with the planeswalkers and there are three and they are all pretty spicy um all right first one is arlen cord uh so this is arlen the pax hope two red and green legendary planeswalker arlen Daybound. uh plus one until your next turn you may cast creature spells as though they had flash and each creature you control enters the battlefield with an additional plus one plus one counter on it minus three create two 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 green wolf creature tokens if it is on the nightbound side so you either did not cast spells that turn um or it is already night and you cast arling cord into the nighttime uh you can plus two to add a red and a green and then you can zero until end of turn arlen the moon's fury becomes a five five werewolf creature with trample indestructible and haste she is amongst the very few gideons sarkons etc that can just get in a fight she likes the brawl because she's a werewolf it's a pretty good card. Also, you know, so, so you start with the basics anytime you, evalu you evaluate a Planeswalker, which is that I think that whatever the minus ability, the first basic minus ability is, it's usually all but one loyalty and it accomplishes the equivalent of what a spell would do, but, you know, a little bit less good usually, just only because you have to balance it also being a Planeswalker. So right. the minus three is four power over two bodies for four mana. I mean... We used to play in the first Innistrad, the the black card, blue, you know, it was, it was like black, black two, and it would make you two, two zombies. I think it had a flashback for like seven or something like that. But I mean, we've, we've all spent four mana for two creatures before, but you also get left, she stays alive. I mean, she's still a planeswalker with one loyalty at that point. So, right. It, it's, I, it's, she's very similar to, like, well, the, the, the easiest and the quickest thing she reminds me of is Huntmaster of the Fells, right? Yeah. Like, she has the ability to come down, you get, uh, two, two, two power creatures in play and and then a, a value engine that also stays in play alongside them. And with Arlen Cord, it like in many ways, I think she's just better than Huntmaster because she comes down as the two, two sides. You don't gain life, so you don't have the stability. But then on the next turn, you're able to, you know, allow you to create 
uh, creatures let, let you allow you to cast creatures with flash, which lets you flip her. And then when you flip her to the other side, you have a ramp spell. But more importantly, you have the ability. You have a five five. So you have your two first two twos and a five five. So on turn, I guess on turn six, you are you end up with you know nine power worth of attacking creatures off of Arlen, and that's I not including the 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 what you did the flip it to get a plus one. I think the drawback here, the thing that stands out to me that is not the same as Huntmaster, and you may be right, this might just be better, but the drawback here for me is that Huntmaster's ability to deal four damage to a creature when it flips is actually a way to deal with things, not just things that want to attack Huntmaster or, or things that would potentially attack Arlen, but that piece of Huntmaster and the life gain I think are both pretty significant, but I would agree it's it's in the running, though Huntmaster doesn't see play in modern really these days. I mean, it's a little tiny bit, but barely in that gen, in the gen deck. Sure. Well, the the point is, I think it, that's why I'm saying it's better, right? Like, I, I think if this was worse than Huntmaster, it wouldn't see play. And and like the the other card it's in most contention with is Bloodbraid Elf, right? Which I like has fallen out of favor with the fact that we're now living in Zoomer Jund, right? With you have you have um, uh, Luris in the in this in the command zone, which Arlen also doesn't let you kind of play with Luris. So this has to also it has to overcome Luris and it has to overcome um, Bloodbraid Elf, and I don't know if it quite does it i do think it's doing exactly enough unique things that it has the potential to but i just don't think it's quite there i mean i do think there's something pretty cool to minus three for two two twos to block and and keep your board going as you plus up getting the ability to you know to take advantage of your of your day by night band flip and also i mean it it matters that they have flash and it also matters that they come with an additional counter on them that's it's a bit big deal so i think this card's card's pretty sweet yeah yeah i i think it's pretty close right and i think if this card for instance was printed four years earlier i think it like is like a like we'd be we'd be freaking out about how dope this card is um the next card teferi who slows the sunset two white blue legendary planeswalker teferi uh comes down with four loyalty plus one choose up to one target artifact up to one target creature and up to one target land on top of the chosen permanents you control tap the chosen permanents you don't control you gain two life look at the top three cards of your library put one of them into your hand and the rest in the bottom of your library in any order and then minus seven you get a emblem with untap all permanents you control during your each opponent opponent's untap step and you draw a card during each opponent's draw step um a lot of people are are jokingly referring to this teferi as tefer f-a-i-r-e um because of the teferis that have prevent of the teferis printed this is by far the fairest of all of them including the creatures um but I, like people were like kind of hyped about this. I recorded a TikTok about this. I don't get it. Like it goes infinite with chain veil. So like there's stuff to do that's cool with it in older formats. Uh, I don't know. I think I, I don't think this is anywhere close to competing with the two Teferis or Jace, the mind sculptor that are all legal in modern for this to ever see play in this format. Yeah. It just, when I look at it and I read it and I think about it in, in, in it's, it's a blue white, you know, control Walker, obviously. So you're competing with Mind Sculptor in that slot, you have, obviously have five mana to fairy, three mana to fairy. Like, you know, those, those are the types of cards that show up. And I just can't see in my mind how this is going to be better. Yeah, and I, and it's not even a control one. I think what like this card is best in in Bant decks that have a, a like mana dorks, right? You need like this. And Noble, like the fact that Noble Hierarch is as good as Noble Hierarch can be makes to fairy who slows the sunset a little bit better because you can combine them. Right. Uh, right, right, right. right. So like. And and that's good, but I still think he's not very strong. I do love his name though. Teferi who slows the sunset is like a dope 
Yeah, it's cool. Yeah, I'm, I'm into that. All right, next Planeswalker and last of the three, uh, Ren and Seven. Three green, green, legendary Planeswalker Ren. Uh, five loyalty when it comes into play. You plus it to reveal the top four cards of your library. Put all land cards revealed this card into your hand and the rest into your graveyard. Zero, put any number of land cards from your hand onto the battlefield tapped. Minus three, create a green tree folk creature token with reach. And this creature's power and toughness are each equal to the number of lands you control. And minus eight, return all permanent cards from your graveyard to your hand. You get an emblem with you have no maximum hand size. Um, of the three planeswalkers, this is the one. Well, already this is already a dominant force in standard, right? Like this has yep. become one of the strongest cards in the format. In modern, m- more things to leap over. I do think this has potential. The fact that this list of abilities is so good in amulet titan decks or decks with amulet because you can have amulet in play and zero and then take advantage of all of those lands entering play from your hand untapped is a legit thing right like that's i think where this card to me shines the most um as a like a a, a useful one of card draw engine or even sideboard against controller matchups that like maybe have better creature removal but not planeswalker removal it is five mana, and five mana planeswalkers have a much higher barrier to entry. Not to say yeah, that there's only there's only a couple I can think of that have ever seen modern play. Like, I mean, five five mana uh, Tezzeret before in, has seen some play. Gideon, the original Gideon, Gideon. Teferi, uh, five mana Teferi, five mana Teferi. There's been some six mana ones. Um, yeah, in the world I, of I like, yeah. No, I, I, I don't, but but the ones that have normally have a reason for it, right? And, like, the reason five mana Teferi work, plays is because it's really three mana, but that you play on turn five, right? It lets, right? It's, like, five mana, but then you can hold counter magic up. And Ren and Six, Ren and Seven has that feature, right? It's, if you have an amulet in play and you play Ren and Seven, you untap some amount of lands, whatever amount of lands you had in your hand, Um so, I mean, I also think I also think when you read this card, going back to the same example I was just using a second ago when talking about Arlen, what's the minus ability? What are you getting? You know, and what you're getting is <laughs> for five mana, you're getting a planeswalker with sick abilities at two loyalty, and you're also probably getting a five five creature. Maybe least. it's a four four if you've accelerated into it, but I mean, if you play this on turn five like you're supposed to, you are getting a five five. And you're also getting a planeswalker at two loyalty for five mana. Well, and in these decks, pretty good. You're probably not playing it then, right? You're probably playing on turn, like on turn five or on turn four at the latest in in amulet time decks or scapeshift decks. You're getting a five five and a planeswalker. And then when you untap, and if you play play you know play Ren and seven zero, and you have two extra lands in your hand, you now have a seven seven or bigger that just like starts swinging. Yeah, I mean, I think I think to your example of how it would work in a in a proper modern deck that already plays, and like I think that's correct. I'm just more thinking about the like on a card card power evaluation. I'm pretty happy for five mana to be left with a perfectly functional planeswalker and also have a creature that's going to get exponentially larger as the game goes on. Right. It seems like pretty good value for five. Like, yeah. it, like I don't think we would play very many five mana five fives in modern. Like, I I obviously know that a vanilla one would never see play, but if you add enough bells and whistles to a five mana five five. <laughs> that gets bigger well, that's one of the bells and whistles i guess it does start to become pretty appealing i think this card's pretty pushed but i think at this point if you push walkers at five mana that's okay yeah you can I agree. put as many powerful five mana walkers as you want that's not going to ruin my game i agree i agree i think i think this card has potential to see play in modern which is saying a lot 
for a five mana anything. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and, and generally, the things that have the highest chance of seeing play in modern for above three mana are things that refer to lands and help you pilot out a Valakut win, pilot out a um, uh, amulet-based win, and, and Renin 7 does that. Um, all right. We are now on to enchantments. All right. Now, funnily enough, there's only two, and they're both black. Uh, the first one is Ghoulish Procession. One in a black enchantment. Whenever one or more non-token creatures dies, create a 2-2 black zombie creature token with Decayed. This ability triggers only once each turn. Hmm. Okay. It, it can trigger once on each turn, though. Um, so this allows so you... all the creatures that you have that die in, like, an aristocrat's deck. Yeah. Um, non-token ones. So, like, a... a, a to come back. And, and and people have also been pointing that's in the zombie list because you're playing with Gravecrawler, right? Like with Gravecrawler mm. in this, you're able to twice a turn get just two Decay Zombies every turn. And, the, and Decay Zombies have something that's been really impressive to me. There's something that like I thought was going to be pretty bad and have been like a little bit more powered up than I thought they were. Well, wait, with Gravecrawler, you can sacrifice it on your turn and get a 2-2, but you can't sacrifice it a second time because it only triggers once per turn. Yeah, so you, you get, would sacrifice it on their turn. Correct, correct. Right. So you can like go back and if you don't have a like thing to do with all your death triggers, but you just have like a, a like a uh, a sack outlet that lets you do that, and you can go back and forth. Why not get some extra zombies out of it? Better or worse than Blood Artist? Uh, in zombies, better. Not better, different. All right. Like it's you can't get rid of it, right? It's much more removal resistant. It plays much more similarly to. And and the zombie tokens you get get benefited more than a blood artist that like any removal spell in modern murders by itself. Blood artist is such a sweet card. That is true. <laughs> I mean, I, yeah, I don't I don't hate a blood artist, but I think and the fact that blood artist is a vampire, right? You don't get to like use any of the other tools to find it or if you're playing anything like that. All right. The next card, which I think is the one people are talking about more. And speaking of blood artist, uh, the meat hook massacre X black black legendary enchantment. Uh, when the Meat Hook Massacre enters the battlefield, each creature gets minus X, minus X uh, until end of turn. Then it's an enchantment. Whenever a creature you control dies, each opponent loses one life. Whenever a creature an opponent controls dies, you gain one life. So if you want to talk about a Blood Artist. So for two mana, this has Blood Artist vibes, right? Your creatures, yep. when they die, you any any type of aristocrat stuff you're doing, your opponent loses life. And, and very difficult to get rid of permanent. Then you add the layer of whenever their creatures die, you gain life. So you get some amount of uh, uh, a stability through it. And more importantly, it's also a good board wipe, right? For four mana, you get rid of all X2s. For three, five mana, you get all X3s. It's and also, you drain it's, them. It's, it's Black's specialty, which is what you see a lot out of Black, which is the minus, minus, minus. It gets around uh, Indestructible and Hexproof as well. Yep. Yeah, which is pretty good. Um, yeah, that's, it's pretty interesting. I got to say, this kind of feels like a card that would have gone in Hunt and Handsome. Um, <laughs> sure. Right? Yeah. I mean, for two, it's just it's just triggering. But I'm it's supposed to be every creature. Okay, yeah. It's whenever one of their creatures dies, they lose a life. So it's still pretty good in that deck. I mean, it's not as good as things that are parallel. Sure. Yeah. This is also currently the most expensive set card in the set, I believe, with uh, thirty six dollars. Wow. Uh, foils okay. are going for eighty. Jeez, people like this card a lot. Yeah, yeah. So this this card this card's pretty good. Now that that I think has a lot to do with commander, but also just viability, like what we're talking about. This is like a modern playable card. The fact that yep. you can also play this in Luris decks because True. it's a two mana card is like a big important thing to keep an eye on that's, on here. That, that's that's big game for sure. I mean, look, it, it's at a minus pair. It's basically perish for four mana if you cast it like that. Mm -hmm. 
Parrish has never seen play really in modern. But Parrish so didn't come, is, come attached with a, a blood artist, right? Like No, I mean, for sure. I just mean like when you're trying to co- sort of compare this to something previously, Parrish costs three. It would be the equivalent of, you know, minus one and minus one and everything for the same cost. Um, it does make me wonder, is minus two, minus two just not good enough? And if this cost starts to cost five for people, are they never going to play it? But I do think the, the, the point about having it in Luris is pretty... I think, I think the versatility, Luris, the versatility is also... Well, but you don't... You cast this before you cast Luris, right? Yeah. Or, like, or if you need to out of your graveyard, you can. It's like an option. I think, I think the fact that this is going to be a card that when you need it can scale up well like yes it doesn't get rid of the four pluses but there's so many creatures in modern like that are x ones right like just like 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 i wouldn't play parish by itself right because it there you'll just like sometimes it'll be dead but the fact that when it's dead you can wait a turn and now it's not dead but most of the time you're getting rid of ragavan you're getting rid of dragon rage channelers you're getting rid of like you can get rid of a lot of stuff i think it's pretty strong um, especially for stuff like Boomer Jund and or Zoomer Jund and other other stuff like that. Um, all right, that is enchantments. We're going on to instants, and this is a much longer list. All right, the first instant is consider. I think this is one of the cards that even before the set was spoiled, uh, we like all knew was going to be a big deal. Uh, one blue for an instant. Look at the top card of your library. You may put that card into your graveyard. Draw a card. Uh, this is opt. Uh, but has surveil instead, which is ninety nine percent of the time better than uh, library. scry. Yeah, yeah, it's true. I mean, it's this. This is a, this is a big deal because it's you're combining what you would get out of an opt and out of a thought scour. Essentially, mm-hmm. um, it's like a you know, it's like a, it's like a hybrid of those two. And I think the reality is thought scour has been one of the most played blue cantrips ever printed. And so is opt, right? Like, yeah, <laughs> opt is, is very well loved. So this, this to me feels like the perfect hybrid and I'm, I'm very excited about this putting cards in the bottom of my library. And it was never something I gave much of a damn about. Yeah. I think, I think like the only decks that are really ever going to care are decks that were playing opt and we're also playing with Eldrazi for whatever, like you want your Emrakul to, but even then, like you want, you want your graveyard to exist, but you're playing Emrakul is like the only thing I can think of. Like maybe, the, but even then, yeah, I don't, I don't see a world where consider just isn't like straight up bonkers. And it's like even better now because Esper reanimator list, we'll talk about, we'll talk about, um, uh, faithful mending in a second and like how this also leads into the, like more abilities for blue white decks to get cards into their graveyard. Yeah. I think, I think consider is really strong. The next card we're going to talk about is Otherworldly Gaze, uh, a blue for an instant. Look at the top three cards of your library. Put any number of them into your graveyard and the rest on back on the back. Uh, rest the rest back on top of your library in any order. Flashback one blue. So this is there's a bunch of cards this kind of harks back to one of them. And I'm like forgetting what it's called. Was, is, wasn't there a card called Dream Twist from Dream in, in Twist? Yes. They wanted to use mill, mill three and then it flashed back. So it, a total of mill six. So like Dream Twist has seen modern play, has seen was like definitely a standard player, has seen kind of a library of different play in the past. And this card is just a strictly better version of Dream Twist because you can opt as part of that. That you can yeah. you can scry some cards and make sure like, oh, of the top three, these are two Vengevines I would like to be in my graveyard. These are two Phoenixes I would like to be in my graveyard. But that last one is a card I would like to cast on my turn. So you can like pretty efficiently get stuff into your graveyard. There was like a whole controversy on this card because some people think it's like really good and some people think it's stone cold unplayable. Um, I'm leaning towards the more it's like on the, the, the primaries. I don't think it's really, really good, but I think this is like a card that I would look out for 
you know, flashback for two triggers a lot of different things. The fact that this is really easy to cast with Phoenix and make Phoenixes get to your graveyard is really important. It feeds your graveyard for Delve spells or Vendrines or whatever you want. Um, it, it just seems like a very efficient for three mana. You get six cards in your graveyard. But of those six, you get to keep the best two of them or best four of them or the best whatever and stack the top of your deck over your next two turns, which I think is really strong. Yeah, I, I think I totally agree with you on that. Uh, I do think this is pretty good. Historically in blue, when cards don't actually put anything into your hand, they let you choose from what's on top. They're not very good, but I'm willing to take a chance on this one and say that I, I, I would recommend this card as being good rather than garbage. Yeah, I think I think the difference... The small difference here with those cards, because I agree, if this was one mana, do that, it would be bad. The fact that this is one mana, you draw a two mana version of this card and you get to choose what you're drawing on your next turn, I think is good. Yeah, I, I agree. Right. I, I think. And that's that that's part of it. And the fact that you can cast it from your graveyard is helpful, too. Like there's always like a, a need for grasping good stuff from your graveyard in these types of decks and a a a card. The amount of times I've wanted cards in a Vengevine deck uh, or any type of self-mill deck that let me mill more from my graveyard, right? Just like what, what, more cards in my graveyard that let me continue my engine uh, has been very large. And Otherworldly Gaze gives you that ability. The next card is Secrets of the Key Blue to Investigate. If this spell is cast from your graveyard, investigate twice instead. Uh, flashback three and a blue. We talked about this card before um, in an, an early episode when we were first kind of responding to some of the previews. I did want to bring up that, because uh, people did comment then, um, that the, like we, we said it was comparable to Think Twice, right? Where and, and like it plays a little bit in that world where turn one, you play this turn two, you can keep your mana open. It's an instant. So the whole time you have your mana open and you're able to sack the clue token or have a clue token in play for artifact shenanigans and then cast other spells on turn four or late game. You can hold up cryptic command. And then when they pass, you can just flash back this and then you have things in play. So it like is a slower engine than think twice is, but you draw a lot more cards, right? You're drawing three cards versus two, which is, is significant. The other thing though, is that one of the most played decks in the format at the moment is Indomitable Creativity decks. Uh, mm. So for those who don't know, Indomitable Creativity is X red, red, red sorcery mythic from Kaladesh. Destroy X target artifacts and or creatures for each permanent destroyed this way. Its controller reveals cards from the top of his or her library until an artifact or creature card is revealed and exiles that card. Those players put the exile cards onto the battlefield then shuffle their library. So this is a card that lets you get Emrakul, Volamachus, etc., into play and let you kind of chain these effects. And they're already playing hard evidence, which for one mana gets you a crab and a and a clue token. This mm. is another like convenient way to get that token, right? You don't get a blocker, but you also get more cards over the process and you get the ability to flash it back if they're able to respond or bounce or whatever to your clue token. Yeah, one of, the, one of my estimations of this card that when we talked about it last time was I was saying that it's really cool, and I think the thing about it that really makes it stand out is anytime you have like more permanents, more types of permanents, like if, you know whether it's you're talking about creatures coming into play, tokens, you're talking about clues, you know treasures, anything like that, there is a there is always a way to take advantage of that. Whether it's like you know gaining life whenever artifacts come into play, creating metal craft, like there's just a, a million different things. So. I really like this card because I think it allows you to trigger prowess a couple times and also gives you resources. Um, I, yeah, I think this card's sweet. Yep. Uh, next card is Turn the Earth. Green, instant, choose up to three target cards in graveyards. The owners of those cards shuffle them into their libraries. You gain two life. Flashback, one and a green. Um, this is really similar to the blue-green card that has flashback. 
uh, that I'm forgetting the name of, so I'm going to oh, look oh, it up. Oh, uh, Journey, uh, the, the one, the one from Innistrad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Me- uh, Memory Lapse. No, it's not. Memory's Journey. Uh, one sure. in a blue instant target player shuffles up to three target cards from his or her li- graveyard into his or her library flashback one green. This has the reverse. So the the one side is the the graveyard hate. The power of that card often is not only the fact that you can use it as as uh, random graveyard hate, right? It's that it allows you to pick cards in your graveyard that maybe you want back in your deck, be it uh, a Thassa's Oracle or like you've milled yourself all the way and you you want to get that combo. It also is a good response to Thassa's Oracle. People are talking about this in CDH as an option just because it's like good graveyard hate, good at killing a Thassa Oracle combos when they're going off and murdering a player, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and then the, the, the fact that you can gain two life is also like a stabilized engine. Once again, in the otherworldly gaze decks, decks that are mil- self milling themselves, being able to gain life and sustain yourself is really important. And so this also gives even that much, uh, uh extra utility to those decks. I'll tell you one thing that's really interesting. And we would, you know, we don't really talk about Highlander gauntlet on the show very often anymore, but it's a format that we used to play a whole bunch of where you had 600 cards between six decks. And, you know, you can only use one copy of any card in the deck. So we started to realize that when we were building these decks that had to be basically tuned against the field, you need to have answers. And a lot of the key things you have to be able to disrupt are you need to be able to gain life. So you can't just get like burned out like nobody can mono red you. You have to be able to respond instantly to graveyards because that's like something that's always going to be a thing that you have to do in magic. Um, You need to be able to naturalize stuff like you have to have. But nobody ever wants to waste slots in their deck on cards that just do that one thing. Right. So anytime I see a card like this, I'm always like, this is just making, it's making a card that you're going to see it in a pack and be like, yeah, this is probably going to be useful. It, it captures two of the like three or four most important reactions that you need to be able to have in magic, gaining life and also shuffling cards away. It's pretty powerful, actually. Yeah. They didn't use the print cards that had nearly as many bells and whistles in this sense. Or you could do multiple things with the one card. Saving your things in your graveyard, eating things in your opponent's graveyard, triggering flashback or spell-based bonus effects, gaining two life, and being able to discard this for an effect later are all things that I look at as a powerful card. One of the reasons I love flashback, right? And this card this card seems really sweet, and I can imagine it seeing play. I don't know if it'll like out of the gate see play. Endurance, obviously, is like a competitor for what this card is doing. But yeah. I think in the long run you're going to see turn the earth like randomly show up in different sideboards and or main decks all over the place. Um, and, and or it'll be a part of some combo in the long run. Like it's the right mana cost for it to be in some like weird, I'm not playing any lands or like some other weird important piece to a combo deck that people are making work. Um, yeah. Cathodic pyre one in a red instant choose one cathodic pyre deals three damage to start creature or planeswalker or discard up to two cards then draw that many cards instant. So in many ways, this is just the better version of Is It Charm? Yeah, I mean, so the whole damage to creature or planeswalker uh, thing it is like a newer development. It all it all started that they had to be so careful with the keywords on these cards back when they got rid of, uh, you know, when they errated the whole thing of like damage to a, a, a player is the same as damage to a planeswalker. Sure. They changed that ruling. So then you end up getting cards like this. It's kind of the same thing with like a braid. You know, where you read it and you're like, oh, this is sweet. Like, what would be really sweet is if I could also hit a player with this. Because this is assuming that three damage, you know, well, but you're going to want it. It's fail case is always just dis- like discard two cards or discard three cards, draw two cards, right? Or discard two cards, draw one card. Yeah. 
if you if you like if like three damage to target creature or planeswalker isn't happening you do that now i think you only play this card in decks that 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 mode the discard up to two cards then draw that many cards is the primary mode right like you play this in decks like phoenix where oh i can do that half every time and then some of the time this is like oh right i need to kill that opponent's thing here's three damage to that yeah i mean it's the same as the last guy we talked about the versatility is what makes it right um yeah and and it is it is definitely playable i'm I'm not gonna argue there yeah um i think yeah i think the fail case of doing damage to a player like a braid matters a lot less like a braid's one of the most played red two mana damage spells of all time right and this yeah the fact that this is close to a braid level as a power level is significant. I think it is 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 a reason it's it's worth talking about. All right, the next card and maybe one of the most played cards out of the gate in modern and every format is Faithful Mending. White, blue, instant. You gain two life, draw two cards, then discard two cards. Flashback one white and a blue. Uh, this card's Faith, good, man. This Faithless card's Luda's really back. good. It has one extra mana. It's two colors, neither of them red, but it gains you two life. Uh, yeah, this just enables the the annoying thing I have about this card is this card is so good as as is. Uh, what's just like puts the final nail in the con- coffin that like Faithless Looting was too good and should have been gone a while ago, <laughs> right? It's like oh, if Faithless Looting was gold not even in red in white one of the colors that needs this the least uh and you just like added two life gain to it uh it would be just as good yeah fine <laughs> agreed i mean this card is very powerful i've seen this in a bunch of a bunch of deck lists already and uh but single-handedly make- well this this plus plus consider has like brought phoenix back right like immediately phoenix is once again 5-0 in tournaments uh esper reanimator this is like the exact piece that deck was missing to be able to be viable uh J- dredge is already looking at ways to incorporate white cards into its strategy that it previously wasn't really playing it's 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 like already out of the gate doing cool stuff yeah, I mean that that faithless looting effect. I think we probably all knew what was happening, but maybe none of us really acknowledged that that was a like pretty unique thing. Like there had only been one version of that card that had existed, and it was in blue, and it wasn't in modern. So I think the fact that we now ha- have this again is like okay, I'll pay extra mana for it. Like and, my and, whole deck was built around this. And the flashback is important. I think people like really misunderstood or understood like oh, the fact that flash faithless looting could draw into a faithless looting and then discard a faithless looting was really powerful, right? So by playing four of these, you can get rid of the other ones cuz they're in your graveyard now, and being able to flash them back is so powerful. I'm like I'm excited to do like Esper Reanimator. I'm excited to do Esper like take Mardu Aristocrat or Mardu um young young you know mardu oh, yeah, pyromancer, pyromancer and like see if you can come up with a jeskai pyromancer or a um or even just like get rid of the pyromancer and do do esper pyromancer but use like the new the witch that makes pest tokens for three mana um right i think there's like really cool stuff you can do with this card i'm, I'm really excited that there is a replacement for faithless looting within within faithful mending yeah, watching watching us or watching the results already on this card makes me think this is this might end up just being the best card in the set. It it does kind of seem like that's the direction we're going. Yeah, I think like it and consider are really like the only two cards I would say are in super contention for best card of the set, especially for modern. I'm like looking at any other cards we will be talking about. There's a few cards that we talked about on last week's episode. Like there's a couple, but maybe, I think we were both pretty sure. Maybe Meat Hood Massacre, but yeah, I think I think I agree. I think that's like this is pretty pretty hands down close. Um, consider just like Opt is already a staple of modern, right? And like 
consider just a replacement that's better. Where like yeah, Faithful Mending. Ren and Seven. Ren and Seven's a big one. I don't think Ren and Seven is close to these two cards. Fair enough. Uh, Faithful Absence. One in a white instant destroy target creature or planeswalker. Its controller investigates. Instant. Mm. So Path to Exile variant. It costs two mana. They don't get a land. Uh, they get a clue token. Clue tokens are significantly worse than land tokens. Yeah, I mean they have to they have to pay two mana to get a card. You're you're taxing you're you're getting draw a card for two mana, but I just got rid of your planeswalker for two. That's yep. the trade-off it White's always had with cards like, you know, you either don't get rid of the thing entirely or there's heavy restrictions. So you're talking about like Sunland, so you're talking about like um hell is the card I'm thinking of. One white attacking creature, put it third from the top. Oust, maybe it's called. Sure. I think um, that this card is like definitively better than Terminate. Partially yeah. because it's only one color, right? And like, so it can go in way more decks than Terminate can. And the fact that that's true, the biggest count against this to me is Prismatic Ending existing, right? Is yeah. like, I mean, that, that card becomes so heavily played, and this is not as good as, as Prismatic Ending. Uh, I don't know if it's not as good. Like, it's not as good up against two mana, one mana, and maybe three mana spells, maybe, but instant speed is better at three mana for sure. And then anything above that, this is a better card, right? Like, I would much rather spend two mana to kill a Planeswalker creature than four mana to kill a four mana creature. Yeah, it's true. I mean, Prismatic Ending definitely has its restrictions. um, But it's a little more scalable, right? Because doesn't Prismatic Ending hit more than just creatures or Planeswalkers? It hits uh, any non-land permanent. Yeah, so that's that's the thing. So enchantments and artifacts? Uh, Like, sure. Yeah, I I think that your the ability to actually handle multiple different things is, is pretty pretty strong. And this is you know this is just a removal spell, a classic creature, mostly creature. Removal. But I don't know, this card's of, good though. One of the fail cases is also destroying your own creature, right? Like uh, the old path to exile wall of omens trick, and then you just get the the investigate token, right? If you need to, or you or like do that the snapcaster mage if you're just not drawing into what you need. Prismatic ending just like is more versatile. I think they're comparable. I think Prismatic Ending is better, but I think Faithful Advance has a home in decks playing the play both alongside each other. Yeah, that's fair. And it's like that same thing I used to do when I would Pondrify my own creatures, or I guess now Rapid Hybridization my own creatures to get like a 3-3 on turn one. Mm-hmm. Um, next card is, excuse me, next card is Geist Wave. One in a blue instant return target non-land permanent to its owner's hand. If you controlled that permanent, draw a card. In- I think this card's really good. This is, this is, one, of my, this is one of my favorite variations on this I've seen. Yeah, like already like things that benefit and this this is a CDH like the the start, right? Valuation. In CDH this card's bonkers because the ability to target something like uh a Doxide Extortionist allows you to kind of loop it in a way. So like self like Snap, for instance, is a CDH staple because it's a great thing to target your own things and your opponent's things as removal. And this plays in that space. Um, the so then then the fact that it's good there, like that's vintage level power levels. So how is this applicable to modern? And I do think there's enough cards like Wall Moment said before, or that, or even some Planeswalkers that are about to be killed by your opponent. Like the ability to counter your opponent's removal and draw a card is really strong. Uh, and then it's just the versatile removal spell at other times, being able to bounce your opponent's planeswalker, being able to pounce a, a big token or whatever. So I think I think this card's really powerful. Yeah, I also could see there's a lot of decks that I think would consider using this card. Um, you know, things that have like a lot of ETB triggers, like you mentioned. But I mean, even if you were to take something like like humans, like I I, I could see humans playing two copies of this card 
it could be the difference between getting one blocker out of the way to win the game, or it also could be the difference between, you know, bouncing your Thalia's lieutenant back to your hand in response, drawing a card. Now you replay it the next turn, you get the counter on every creature. You know, like I, it's it's just this card does a lot for for not very much. You're it's it's pretty unique actually. Yep. Yep. Agreed. Agreed. Uh, the next card we're going to talk about is Rite of Harmony. Green and a white for an instant. Whenever a creature enchantment enters the battlefield under your control, this turn, draw a card. Flashback. Two green and a white. So we've had this in blue, green, and modern. We it, On the ban list is this for just one green. Uh, so whenever yep. a creature enters the battlefield is something to always look at. The blue, green one was always in a weird spot because there was no reason to ever play blue, green elves. Add that right. to like, it's just like one mana expensive, like is two mana really like good enough? But green white elves, there is a reason to play white and elves, right? There's a lot of really easy ways you can get around having green and white in the deck, uh, not to mention like Abzan, right? Like that's the other classic version of the deck. And so this goes into the colors really well. The blue green version of this, um, which has, which I will look up uh, in the middle of me talking about oh, it's it. called... Um... Beck and Call. I Beck think. and Call has like Beck has the call half, which is um, for a blue and white and four put four one one white blue creature tokens for and you can fuse them and play both. That's also not a thing like elves really wants. Being able to flash this back, though, is insane. Like from the perspective of I have played elves in Legacy where they have uh, access to oh, what's the card? What's the green one? The one green one? Oh, Glimpse of Nature. That they, they, yeah, the which is on the band list, glimpse. Uh, so glimpse of nature, the fact that they have access to glimpse of nature and legacy, like, makes elves a deck that often ends in the draw bracket because there's no way to stop them. You could like wipe the board. I wiped, I terminus elves four times in a match, and every single turn was like, they would go for it, I would terminus, they would go for it, I would terminus, and it was just like a nightmare. And because they would just like redraw their hand every time, and the fact that. If they like do it the first time and they have a fail, they could just cast the flashback half later when they have enough mana for it is like so much resilience to elf decks that I'm like surprised this card isn't being talked about more often. Yeah, I mean, it, it definitely the thing you mentioned about the four flashback at the point at that point, you have so much mana anyway that it doesn't really matter that it costs four. You're just trying to keep the the you know engine rolling and being able to do that twice in a turn just from this one card is a pretty big game. I was also trying to remember if Abyssin's Pilgrim it's, it's not it's a human ah uh, it's a human mod. Yeah, there's okay. no there are no elves or goblins on Innistrad. gotcha so yeah that, that makes sense because because i was gonna say either that or hierarch could both be be good in the deck yeah yeah there are none of the none of the main well, i guess murfo goblins and, and and elves are not on Innistrad. zombies and vampires are and humans but yeah yeah so i i think like like if you untap with an arch druid and like two other mana dork elves and you have this in your graveyard, you probably can go off. And then obviously the front half is like easy to go off. I think there's like easy ways to take advantage of this card and adds like a real win condition to elves. Just being able to combo ball elves people, which is great. Next card we got is Siphon Insight. It is black blue for an instant. Look at the top two cards of target opponent's library. Exile one of them face down and put the other on the bottom of that library. You may look at it and play the exiled card for as long as it remains exiled, and you may spend mana as though it were mana of any color to cast the spell. It flashes back for blue, black, 
one. Um, so my favorite thing to do with this is anytime anyone puts anything on top of their deck on purpose, be it with a preordain or some type of scry effect, you can res- then cast this to steal whatever they kept. Uh, obviously, in older formats, being able to respond to vampiric tutors and um enlightened tutors and mystical tutors with siphon of insight is like going to be the best feeling i can imagine right. uh, for modern um being able to respond to a jace trigger like if they 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 brainstorm some things on top of their deck is really strong uh but also just like two mana draw a card three man like in that think twice space but you're getting your opponent's best cards and you're getting to um opt basically you're getting to look at the top two cards and then choose the best one of those two is also like kind of gangbusters i like kind of really like this card here's my only issue with this card i know they're different and i know this card has flashback and so it does some really interesting things defensively but look we've all let's be honest we've all wanted shadow of doubt to be the best card ever for the longest time we all love that card but it doesn't actually feel like if you main deck shadow of doubt you actually get to use it the way you want to use it that often, even though in theory there are tons and tons of fetch lands getting searched for and other tricks that you're going to be able to just like just shred people with. And I always find that when I play Shadow of Doubt in the main deck of any reactive deck, it like well, gets Shadow- used for its proper purpose like seven, no, not even, like 50% of the time at best. But like Shadow of Doubt, Shadow of Doubt is just like cantripping. I think looking at your opponent's two best cards, like I think like brainstorming your opponent and getting the best of those two cards, not preordaining your opponent, is better than random draw a card. I guess it depends on the deck, of course, because like sometimes you just have better cards in your deck than your opponent has in theirs. But against some matchups, right. you get really dope stuff. Yeah, it's fair. I mean, I think it's more powerful than Shadow of Doubt, but I just still think about like the magical Christmas land theory of how this card is good. And in a powerful format, like the ones that we like to play, where there's not actually as many, like like Modern doesn't have nearly as many put something on top of your library. Sure. Agreed. It has that, a lot less of that. That's why That's why in Modern, I think the Shadow of Doubt comparison is less than in the older formats where you're like trying to get someone who's just tutored, right? This, yeah. The best, the like, you're playing this card because most of the time it's like a great instant speed way to spend your turn stealing the best card from your opponent. Right. Like, like in other formats you're playing it because that's true and then also you can just have this in your graveyard as a graveyard deck and then like your opponent vampiric tutors and you're like nope (laughs) um so i think that's like the the next benefit but yeah that's fair i think like it's it'll be interesting to see if it sees play for sure next card is bloodline calling one black black instant target creature gets minus five until end of turn minus five minus five or target token get or creature tokens get minus two minus two until end of turn it's funny, we were just talking about Parish. This yeah. is like another variation on Parish. Um, yeah, I mean, look, I'll ask the same question now that I asked then. Creature tokens getting minus two, minus two for three is not playable, but having three mana minus five, minus five, that's pretty big. We actually don't see minus five, minus five out of black cards really that often. It's you, almost always minus four, minus four is the big, mm-hmm. that's the big swingy one that black always shows us uh, or sort of conditions us to believe. So a singular, like, three mana probably nuke something and it also means it can nuke like a lot of things that become five fives that are like harder to deal with you mm-hmm, know mm-hmm. I believe gideon becomes a five five right five five indestructible or is it even six six gideon is a i think some have been five fives and some have been six six and it depends 
a lot of the time, like you'll, you'll see like Nissa or like one of those others, turn the planeswalker turn into like a four, four or a five, five. So um, I think, I think this card's actually probably better than it's getting credit for. I, I don't know that there's a deck that really needs a three mana destroy a creature. Yeah, thing. I think the three mana effect really hurts it for me. I think the fact that just, I would play the meat hook massacre almost most of the time though, if there becomes a moment where there are like X fives that are really important to kill, Right, that's right. when and on the same time a deck that has maybe a lot of X two tokens, this card becomes more interesting. But until that happens, I don't know if this card is. It's just like a little too slow. Yep. Yeah. Um. Next card, Memory Deluge, two blue blue instant. Look at the top X cards of your library, where X is the amount of mana spent to cast the spell. So the first time, four, uh, four cards. Put two of them into your hand, and the rest in the bottom of your library in random order. Flashback for seven. So instant speed, filter for the top four, get two cards, or flashback for seven later on in the game and get look at the top seven and get the two. So it has dig through time-esque ramifications if you spend the seven mana for it. Yeah, I mean, obviously, dig through time being a delve card is why it was played. And so I don't... Two mana is significantly better than seven. <laughs> and, and you can't cheat. You can't really cheat this card. That's the issue. You know, like... You, you can if you pay four to look at the top four and put two into your hand, that's fine. Mm -hmm. Having flashback to do it for seven, also fine, but like very expensive. Like blue blue decks are almost always going to be more efficient than eating these, these these casting costs. This like doesn't feel like it's actually reflective of where the format is at all. Yeah, I mean, it, it in the blue, I mean, like blue white is doing very well right now, right? Like that is one of the best decks in the format at the moment. And having a card that like plays well with Archmage's Charm and Cryptic Command, like they're playing fact efficient, right? Like, and that's that's what this card would compare to is like a fact efficient fact of fiction effect and is this card better than fact of fiction is the real question to me fact or fiction fact or fiction okay. sorry um that makes sense because fact of fiction is terrible to say <laughs> um, uh is this card comparable or better than foff and i it might be like digging for four to draw three cards one of which is a seven mana dig for seven uh dig through seven to get two cards is a lot of cards that you get to see for your the best two cards and you get to select them it happens at instant speed is that better than drawing you know the foff game like like uh, uh, as much as foff is fun right like that's a different issue on its own but like i get to put a pile in front of you you get to separate those two cards into two piles and i get to pick the best of those two piles so the best 40 percent of the cards you see I guess would be how I'd refer to it versus memory deluge, which finds the best two cards from your top four. It's kind of comparable. I mean, I think this card's really good. You know, it, it, it five sees five, not four for four mana. Um, doesn't have flashback though. But you get, you get, you, you are likely to not get the best two cards from those five, right? You're going True. to get, you almost always are going to take the worst version that has three because they give you a bunch of lands. Like you're, you're going to either get the, you're going to get the best one point, 1.5 and then the worst yeah yeah it's first of all not a lot of decks in modern i think uh, have been playing factor fiction for a while i think it's good but i don't think it's like the most beloved modern well, card i mean blue white blue white x control is currently the most played deck in the format uh at the top table 6.4 percent of the metagame and they generally run at least one factor fiction factor fiction Right. So, I mean, that's, but that's like a one of, so I'm trying to think of like, you know, does this replace the one of in those decks? I'm saying I maybe mean, like 
it might like especially because like those decks also have like shark typhoon so like you can have shark typhoon in play and then like late game when you've drawn it out long enough cast this for seven and get a seven seven, seven shark <laughs> i think also i think also probably the other thing that maybe works in the in favor of uh of this card is that i think those decks often get to a slow grind late where they actually have way more mana than they know to deal with. Mm-hmm. And so just having this available to you in longer games, it probably depends on the, the speed of the format is what you can, you can justify playing this or not. And that probably is more of a meta call if blue-white is playable, if the format's excre- you know, extremely aggressive. Because, yeah, I... And by the, way, standard, the by the way, standard players, the fact that we're considering Memory Deluge comparable to Foff, which is one of the best card draw spells in blue of all time, tells you how good this card could be. Now, Foff yeah. has not seen a lot of play in modern, to Ben's point. It just only recently really started seeing play as one of the better instant speed card draw engines. And this is of that level. That's that's kind of, I think, why people are talking about it, is I do think this is Foff comparable. You get the best two cards plus a bad seven version of this spell that if you're able to draw the game out, so you have the ability to cast for seven mana at instant speed because your opponent just didn't do anything that turn because you're holding cryptic command up or archmage charm. So they like don't want to play a spell into it and you're able to cast memory deluge, get your next two archmages charms. Like how does your opponent ever come back from this card being cast twice? Yeah, that is true. It's definitely a tremendous amount of advantage. Before you jump into sorceries, make sure to check out battlebosses.com. If you see this boss, this is a game I made. Uh, ben helped in a lot of the development of this as well. You can get all these different bosses. Uh, this is Nightmare. That was Captain Boat. Uh, and you, it plays kind of like Magic meets a tower defense game. It's really, really, really cool. Uh, and it's out. It's out. It's out as we speak. If you buy it, also Marshall, one of the editors of the podcast, was one of the main uh, play testers. Helped even come up with some of the bosses. He helped come up with the gameplay for Captain Boat, uh, and was the original person. Like, hey, we should do a pirate ship tribe. Uh, uh, so yeah, check it out. Uh, and now we're going to talk about sorceries. Yes. Crawl from the cellar. Black sorcery. Return target creature card from your graveyard to your hand. Put a plus one plus one counter on up to one target zombie you control. Flashback three and a black. Um, now, I think the issue with this card is that it requires a zombie to be in play, correct? To cast yep. it or you don't need it. You don't need to have targets for both things. Uh, play on up to one oh, up target to one. zombie okay. control. So yeah. if that's not true, then getting getting the ability to flashback for a three and a black to get a zombie into like get anything from your graveyard is like a thing, right? Like there aren't a lot of in modern playable buyback cards for that amount. There's like you could just cast cast like full on reanimation flashback spells theoretically, but you don't have the one mana option of being able to buy stuff back as like a playable version of uh this effect. So close i think it just is missing it i think like if this was three mana and it didn't have the second effect this could be modern playable or like there are decks in the long run that might want to see a deck like this that are able to mill themselves and then get cards back from their graveyard i think it just misses it yeah i think i think i think the four on the back side of it is just a little too much um there's mm-hmm. just more efficient ways to gain value than this all right can't stay away uh and just like peak kitty artwork with a little ghost kitty eating meat and a bunch of little other cat friends uh white and a black sorcery return target creature card with mana value three or less from your graveyard to the battlefield it gains if this creature would die exile it instead flashback three white black now this is closer to something that has seen play multiple times in modern history yeah this is pretty sweet i mean CMC three or less to the battlefield and flashing back for five. I mean, you, how, you could how many, be playing. That's two Merciperians. 
I trust me, I'm excited. <laughs> I, you you could be playing this card right alongside. Um, God, I'm so bad with card names these days. My memory has has rotted away. Uh, green one, sorry, white green, one green white. The three two creature that when it came in with revolt, you would found something with two or less from your graveyard to the battlefield. Oh 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 oh. Renegade rallier, yeah yeah yeah. So like, I mean, if you if you put renegade rallier into play off of this card with a fetch land. Then Renegade Rallier comes in and gets grab something else. Yep, true, true. Um, um it, like the the thing with all these cards is always you're able to get like things that like have weird like costs associated with them, right? Like the scab ruinator side of the world. Yeah, yeah. Um, that like is always really interesting. The fact that you can have this be self milled and get stuff back is also really good. Um, I think like like there's a like you know on Earth is already seeing seeing some amount of play in decks and this plays in that space. Being able to get like Croza and put it to play. The sad thing with Cro- Croxa is that this um, exiles it when it dies, so you yeah, can't so like you escape it. I think that's like the like I think I, honestly I think that's what's going to limit it from seeing play is if this could get Croxa back this would be a great card because it could be another thing that you can discard to stuff that late game you gain more advantage of etc. And I think it just is missing that factor. Um, but I do think this is a card to keep like if there is a time where there's another really good creature that like for some reason is hard to cast from your hand. But if you use this spell to put it into play, you can get into play really easily. This card skyrockets in playability. Yeah, I mean, I like what you're mentioning. This card does interact really nicely with a lot of those cards that would always be considered for the, you know, cheat them into play because you can't cast them properly world like you're talking about. Mm-hmm. Whether Superior or Scab, Scab like Ruinator or anything like that, there's, I think, probably a place for this. You mentioned Unearth already, though, and Unearth only costing one and also having the cycling on it is pretty big. But then again, this flashing back later in the game is also enormously, like, very, very, very good. Right, like, this right. makes... Like this flashing back kind of makes me feel like it just costs five to do it. Is it's like, I know, but like, but like if I'm playing the superior deck, like if I actually am doing that and I'm just looking to constantly get value, the single spell that returns superior from graveyard to play. So like, let's say you're playing Ojatize command mm-hmm. or let's say you're playing like renegade rallier. Those are cards that you're going to only like, you're going to play them one time in conjunction with the thing you're trying to cheat into play. And then that ability that they have is gone forever. Whereas this one, if you cast it early to get your cheat creature into play and a game keeps going, having this flashing back for five in your graveyard means that you don't have to overload your deck with enablers to make those bad creatures work because you're going to be able to use this one later in the game when you happen to draw top deck superior. Right. You know, you don't know what to do with it. Do you have something in play that allows you to put it in your graveyard? Now, like, this thing just gets that into play. I mean, I guess the answer there is don't blame your superior because you'd like to just be able to cast your top deck. But, like, I bad. do think... I, so what? And it's bad. <laughs> yeah. I think I think the place that I... I Sorry, finish your sentence. I just think, like, if you if you have a deck that's getting Scabrinator into play, let's say you're... Let's say you're playing this alongside the new Faith, Faithful Mending. Uh, and you like turn two, put Ruinator in your graveyard off the draw discard, and then like turn three, cast this holding open counter magic kind of a thing. Mm-hmm. Now, like you're playing a control deck with a beefy creature they have to deal with, they have to kill it. And if they do, two turns later, you just play it out of your graveyard again. It just has a piece already stapled well, to it. And that's, to one, me, of that's, that's pretty valuable. one of the things that's interesting for me is I, I think it's really good with Luris as well, right? Like because you can cast Luris from your graveyard. 
So it lets you rebuy your Luris if they kill it somehow. And like the card that also is really is like Dwathi Voidwalker, right? Like like cards yeah. that like are great when you sacrifice them and then you get to rebuy them, I think is really powerful. Not to mention just being able to get Ragavons back or Dragon Rage Channeler cards that Dragon Rage Channeler milled. Like there's stuff that gets it back that's pretty well. It sucks that it doesn't work really well with Kroxa, but it does work with everything else around a Kroxa deck. And playing that as a one of uh, over maybe the like one um, unearth or as like just a supplement to unearth is maybe powerful enough. Yeah, agreed. I like um, it. I like all right. It next card is Ghoul Callers Harvest. Green, black, sorcery, X. Create X 2 2 black zombie creature tokens with Decade, where X is half the number of creature cards in your graveyard rounded up. Um, so if you have 10 creatures, you get five 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 zombie zombie tokens right for two mana so i think and then it has flashback for five right three green black this card is close uh the fact that for two mana you can get 10 like easily get 10 power into play or more that's hard to block is like really strong and a deck like a vengevine mill deck where like this also can be in your graveyard as a late game win condition where there's versions of decks where uh, like you cast this on turn five and you get 20 power worth of power in play, right? Yeah. Like having 10 creatures in your graveyard, or, or, or sorry, you need 40 creatures in your graveyard to get, no, you need 20. Having 20 creatures in your graveyard is not unheard of in decks, right? It's hard to accomplish, but like even getting, like you, it's a power per creature, right? So like 20 power is only 20 creatures. 10 power is 10 creatures. So I, I think that's a lot of damage for a spell that you can cast from your graveyard and is pretty redundant. And that doesn't include the like, turn five cast or turn four cast this for green and black after you've mulched or whatever to mill yourself get five power and then turn five cast it again for another five tokens right and so now you have that that 20 it's in a play. lot of value and especially in a self mill deck it's just a lot of value period like, and there's like a lot of cards that are just like pointing to that deck being more possible like those old dredge vine style lists before um uh, uh, like the Hogak era or the the Hollowed One era of Vengevine, when it was like just unplayable. There are a bunch of tools now from this set that make it just that much closer to maybe be possible. I think also like this in a in a blue deck, uh, you know, in a in a Soulfly deck with Snapcaster is probably a pretty good idea. I think that's pretty yep, good. Yep, just um, like for four mana, get a bunch of creatures back. Just flashing it back for four, it's pretty good. Also because like there are a lot more things that return a creature to your hand than a spell to your hand. Um there are tons of things that return a creature to your hand. So I feel like you would probably play a big blue self mill deck with snapcasters and this, but you need to have creatures obviously for the thing to be valuable. So having four snapcasters in your graveyard, like honestly, it's almost like soul tie and then, you know, play unearth in that deck. Sure. And right. Like, like you almost can combine the ideas we were just talking about with can't stay away and apply a lot of those ideas to Google cause harvest. And there's a bunch of self mill versions of this deck that yeah you go you go bonkers pretty fast pretty pretty early right 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 card's really good um next card we're going to talk about is join the dance green white create two white and one white human creature tokens flashback three green and white uh this is feels like fixed lingering souls two mana on the front half is fine i think this is just worse than lingering souls though like as much as i want it to be lingering souls i think they were smart to not just give me lingering souls yeah i would agree uh, next card sunset revelry uh one in a white sorcery if an opponent has more life than you gain four life if an opponent controls more creatures than you create two one one white human creature tokens if an opponent has more cards in hand than you draw a card 
It's seems, pretty good. Seems, this is, this is, this seems is like a timely familiar. reinforcements, right? This is this is uh, exactly like timely reinforcements. I think this like is just straight up a staple in modern. I think this is on the list of because like timely reinforcements has been like playable consistently through modern history as a sideboard card. You gain six life versus four life. Which is like two burn spells versus one and a half burn spells. Uh, you gain two creatures versus three creatures, but for two mana, right? Like like the, yep. they're like way less mana than three. Three mana is a lot of mana in modern. Two mana is not that much, especially because like consider like Snapcaster Mage also lets you rebuy it, and it cantrips. <laughs> yeah, like it just adds the draw card effect on top of all of that. I yeah, I think this card's really bonkers. I do think that there's a possibility that you'll get two of these when you play it a lot of the time you'll be forced to play it you won't be able to maximize its effect so then it becomes two mana for two of these abilities because if each one refers to a different condition i still think that's fine though i think this yeah card's but good i also can see being in a situation where you you know you, you have more as many cards or more cards than them because they've drawn gas and your land your land host so you don't get to draw a card you have more cards than them you do gain four life because they're beating down on you and maybe you're maybe like you know possibly i think, they have I think, more I think if you get four life and you get two tokens this card is a modern staple i think the okay. draw like i think that card is better than timely reinforcements because it's at two mana versus three okay fair I enough i think yeah. that i think that adding the layer that once in a while you're going to get uh just like a cantrip out of that is all just insane right i think that's kind of where i'm at now, now, the question is, timely reinforcements play right now is debatable, right? So, like, but yeah. I think also playing this on two and they like they went like you are you're on the play. You play a land. They play a land. They play Ragavan, And then you play this and then play this. Right. Like you you play in land and then play this and you just like get two tokens and uh, like maybe gain life because they've attacked, I guess, not in that situation. But like even just getting two tokens for one and a white to like block the Ragavan is like really good to me. It's a lot of value. There's no doubt that there's potential for a huge value swing when you play this card. I agree. I like, like it. That part of the card is playable on its own, right? Like there are decks in modern that have tried making one in a white make two tokens work. They never made the case, and I don't think that's quite good enough. But then add these other things onto it in the late game, and it's like really strong. Um, all right. Next card. Tapping at the window. Uh, one green sorcery. Look at the top three cards of your library. You may reveal a creature card from among them and put it into your hand. Put the rest into your graveyard. Flashback to an a green. This is the mulch effect. The difference is that you get to flash it back, <laughs> which is like something that I've always wanted mulch to be able to do. Right, right, right. It's a little less good because mulch is the top four or the top five. Well, mulch, mulch is the lands one, right? This is the the green black one from from Innistrad that lets you get a lander or a creature. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know what you're talking about. So it's, it's like it's definitely now. different than those, right? But it also is good because you can play four of these, and if you hit one of these, it's still good because it goes to your graveyard, and you can now cast both of them from your graveyard, so they can chain. I think it's yeah, just... I think this card has. I think this card has some real potential to break through. I think there's a number of effects that do similar things. Um, but being able to, but, yeah, yeah, but having the flashback definitely pushes it into the conversation. Right, like worst case scenario, this is a one mana more for both halves of that blue spell that we were talking about earlier, right? Yes, like, exactly, exactly. And in the meantime, it's better than that because you get creatures a lot of the time. Next card, Driver, Dryad's Revival. Two and a green, return target creature card from your graveyard to your hand. Flashback, four and a green. So you're thinking sorcery speed, gravedigger effect, 
Well, any card. Oh, oh, oh it's, it's target, not target land card. Gotcha. So, so it's three mana regrowth and then flashes back for five. Mm-hmm. Regrowth mm. with the new land version of it has shown to be more playable than, you know, and like regrowth at one time was banned in vintage, right? I mean, that was like a long time ago. Yeah. <laughs> um, to me, what's interesting, this is the flashback side, right? Like now, kind of what we were talking about with the grave the crawl from the cellar. The thing that you actually wanted was the ability to get anything from your graveyard, be it a reanimation spell, a digging spell, a creature spell. Like there's a bunch of stuff that self mill graveyard decks are putting into the yard that just getting access to anything is such a leap above what they currently can grab their hands on that this helps them get there, right? You're now able to get the weird reanimation spell. You, you can get a, 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 like marked grave if you want to get a specific card in your graveyard or you can get persist out of your graveyard to play something right like it it gives you a lot more resiliency and gets two cards out of it it is five mana which is a lot though i think this card you play like one of as like just a like resilience to interaction card or against control decks i mean eternal witness has been played forever and ever and ever because it's good and it's not like when you draw it later in the game it's like Often when you draw it later in the game, you don't care if it costs three or five. It's still good, and like right. that's why it's a good card. So having this in your graveyard for the second use is something that I think those value decks will get a lot of, a lot of, definitely a lot of use out of. Right, right. Um, next card is, uh, and there's a few misses from stuff that people mentioned we didn't talk about, and there's a few cards and sources that aren't in this list that I'm just going to uh, get Ben with. Dire Graph Rebirth, three black green sorcery. This spell costs one less to cast for each creature that died this turn. Return target creature card from your graveyard to the battlefield. Flashback, seven. So... Five mana and seven mana for unburial rights, right? So, like, worse than unburial rights, you need green and black. Better colors for unburial rights, right? Like, green and black is where you want to be. But if you have any type of sacrifice engine, which specifically Hogak decks have, this is Hogak. True. (laughs) Right? Like, if you are playing with big things that have power and toughness, you can, or, like, anything you're sacking, if you use, like, this is, like, a perfect card for the self-mill Altar of Dementia decks, Right, because you're you're doing the altar thing. This is in your graveyard. You're able to rebuy a creature from your graveyard that buys maybe other creatures back. Maybe it puts a bunch of creatures into play. Like you get a grave titan, or you get um, sun titan grabbing another thing. Right, like you're able to kind of regurgitate your graveyard back into play and loop that effect. And this, this gets is put the most in your like, graveyard. This is like the most Alex Kessler card that I've ever seen. Yeah, I'm so I like <laughs> I like read this card and I'm just like I don't want to play against you and you're playing this. I'm not excited <laughs> to play against you and you play this. It's very easy for me to sack a bunch of creatures. <laughs> like the for the front half, three creatures die and I now have, you know, a reanimate effect. Or not reanimate. Yeah. I have an animate dead. In my graveyard, if I just happen to let five creatures die somehow, how could I ever in a black deck let creatures die? Uh, I now get to reanimate a thing. Uh, this card's fire. I love this card. <laughs> and so, it's so, in better colors, right? Like the problem with unburial rights is that black and white don't always want to be doing this activity. Green and black do want to do this activity significantly more often um i I agree i think this card's this card's dope i think this card will make an impact for sure yep um i'm i'm super hyped uh i think the the loop of having to get all your creatures to die is a real loop right like it like this card is bad when you're not able to go off but the fact that like hogak decks with altar of dementia were able to do the thing so well and diagraph rebirth with some like venge vines in play can kind of continue that game on and get you some really big scary things is like really exciting to me um 
the next card, which is uh, one of the misses that we had, which is Leer, Disciple of the Drowned. Three blue, blue, legendary creature, human wizard for a three, four. Spells can't be countered. Each instant and sorcery card in your graveyard has flashback. The flashback cost is equal to that card's mana cost. People are talking about this in storm decks as like a sideboard option. Or just like a good like, I played this creature and if I untap with it, I win. And you can't stop me if I untap with it unless you kill it. And it's a 3-4, which does dodge chunks of removal in the format as well as being a 5-drop. Um, it is 5 mana though. It is. I mean, it is 5 mana, but but I think it gives you... It gives you a pretty hefty amount of range. There's a card called um, it was a Lich from uh, was it Dralnu Lich Lord? Yeah, no. yep, yep, yep. Dralnu Lich Lord. Blue black three from and it was yeah uh, from, like, three original. blue black uh, power and toughness whatever you can tap it to give a card flashback. But if a permanent you control were to take, if you were to take damage, you had to sacrifice a permanent you control or something. Yeah, along I think those that's lines? I think that's what it was. Yeah. It's, it's, it's from like Time Spiral, I think. Um, but. Anyway, that, that's like kind of what it reminds me of. Um, just the idea that, you know, you get all this flashback out of your graveyard. This one's more powerful, obviously. Um, if, if damage were to be dealt to draw new Lich Ward, sacrifice that many permanents instead. Yeah, so that's exactly. like a, a little heftier of a drawback. But yes, yeah. yeah, yeah. But it's kind of in the same wheelhouse. And I think this card's pretty good. Um, the difference is that draw new has to target one target instant of sorcery. This just lets you cast all... This has a... This is... What's it called, right? This is... Uh, uh, what's the red? All, creature, all spells in your graveyard have flashback. Pass in flames. So three red. Pass in flames. Each go. instant sorcery card in your graveyard gains flashback. So this has pass in flame vibes, right? I mean, it, it is closer to the back end, the five mana half, but like it also is a creature, so you don't have to cast it within the storm chain. You can just cast it, pass. If it survives, you win. <laughs> yeah, I mean it's 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 very good. Like, right? Like it gives you a crazy reach. It's it is funny in a blue deck that spells can't be countered, though. Like this is the anti counter magic the anti counter magic card spells do that um, I've seen I've seen I've seen blue spells do that I mean like in CDH this card's already being obviously talked about because like both halves are like really important in that format right uh, like this like like Kess is really good in CDH because it lets you rebuy demonic consultation or uh, tainted pact or any of your tutors and right, this right, lets right. you do that as well and makes them uncounterable which is like the main form of interaction in the format creature removal isn't as hefty so uh, yeah i think i think it's really cool um all right so that is the there's only one more card for a set review ben and then we'll be done it is hostile hostile it's a land uh, it's pronounced tap hostile hostile add, hostile hostile uh it is a land tap to add one colorless uh one and a tap sacrifice a creature put a soul counter on a hostile hostile then if there are three or more soul counters on it, remove those counters, transform it, then untap it, activate only as a sorcery. Um, okay, so you have to sacrifice three creatures over several turns to flip it. Yep. And when it flips, it flips into Creeping In, which is an artifact creature horror construct. It's a 3-7. Whenever Creeping In attacks, you may exile a creature card from your graveyard. If you do, each opponent loses X life and you gain X life, where X is the number of creature cards exiled with Creeping In. Gotcha. Uh, and then you would phase it out for four colorless. Wow, what an interesting card. Um, yeah. A lot going on with this card. So so the first half is hostile, hostile, right? And that to me, that like is like the closest we've ever gotten to like a high market effect in modern, right? Like a a pretty inexpensive, like two mana, sacrifice a creature, sorcery speed, so it, it can't it can't be used to like respond to removal, which I do think makes it a lot worse. Um, but being able to just have a sack outlet like that on your land is something that decks have 
often wanted, right? Like there's different reasons to want to be able to do that. Um, and then, and then on the other hand, when you flip it, it becomes a pretty impossible to kill threat that as it attacks, helps you stabilize is great at blocking phases out. So really removal resistant as a control threat. So I think, I think even on that side, it's really cool. I think it's really awesome. It's one of, it's one of the cards I've read so far that I've been most excited about. Um, my only issue with this card is that I feel like I don't know, like sacrificing a creature at sorcery speed on my end for that much mana. Um, uh, most control decks don't play a lot of creatures, right? So if you have like a bunch of tokens you can sacrifice, or you have stuff like Wall of Omens or things like that, then you can get yourself into a situation where this is your finisher because that's a good finisher. Yeah, it is actually. Yeah, yeah, it's a really good finisher. Um, but I feel like the condition to have creatures in play to sacrifice. There are some control decks that know how to take advantage of that, but that hasn't been something that I would say is like consistently a big piece of control. Yeah, you want to be playing like Snapcaster Mages and Wall of Omens and like playing like a weird version of a like deck that sacks creatures and is doing this which i think is a challenge but if you can do that i think it's really good also the fact that the ability is only at sorcery speed hurts it in a control deck yeah i think i think mardu pyromancer to me is actually the deck i think it's more interesting in right or like mardu pyromancer esky decks now that they're gonna maybe play three do three three color decks really want to rely on having a colorless well, producing. Land. I don't know if you have to be three colors, right? Like a, a black red sacrifice. Uh, like there's that Jund list that's been around that's playing Lurus and you're doing the like, um, uh, uh, like playing with the mana dork and you're playing with the new Jund one and you're playing with, um, Dwathi Voidwalkers and Ragavan Dragon Rage Channeler and Lurus and that kind of stuff where you're able to like sack and then gain like gain the effect back by recasting it with Lurus like that kind of stuff I think is like maybe an interesting thing to do with it mm-hmm. like there's 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 worlds of like people playing what's the red black mayhem devil right that's the yeah all right, let me... uh, yeah 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 mayhem that's, that's the one yeah the the black red the Jun sacrifice decks where you're playing Bloodgasts and Mayhem Devils and Season Pyromancers and Kroxas and Ragavans and Ignoble Hierarchs, Bloodhall Ooze, Ren and Six, Grist. Like with Grist, this card's really good, right? Like the closer to like Jund, Sacrifice, Goblin Bombardment decks, I think this card's really cool in. Is yeah, it- agreed. Again, I do worry on in any three color deck, but you just played it as a spell, not as a land. That's that's how you have to yeah, play this card. Yeah, yeah. And and it like like the fact that it in, they're playing a noble hierarch helps there, right? Like you're able to yeah. kind of go above that. Um, Balance it out. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, as like just like a, a a creature land option that like also acts as a sacrifice engine is like I think really good for that deck. Yeah, really sweet for sure. All right, that is it. That is everything we're talking about today. The full set review, guys. Thanks for sticking with us for yet another set review here on the MM Cast. Be sure to check out Battle Bosses. We mentioned at the beginning of the show, it is an awesome game made by Kess. Uh, Alex has worked his butt off on this game for a long time. It's now available. You can order it from us directly. It's going to keep evolving and developing, and I can attest I have played it. I really enjoy it. You guys should check it out. Alex, if people want to just check out Battle Bosses, they should just go to Kess.co, right? Uh, uh, BattleBosses.com. Okay, BattleBosses.com. Yep. Go check out BattleBosses.com and uh, you guys can find out more about the game. On the other end of things, I mention this every show, but one month from now, uh, I will be hitting the road. I'll be going to Denver, Austin, and Orlando that first weekend and playing 11 shows over the course of five weeks. Um, it's going to be really fun. I'm, I'm definitely looking forward to it. If any of you guys have ever thought about maybe giving a listen to my music, I would appreciate it. I'm on Spotify, Apple Music, just Ben Bateman. My next song comes out in a couple weeks and I'm hitting the road for the tour. So 
all the dates will be kind of like just meet and greets and hangouts basically. So if you want, if you, if I'm coming to your city and you want to hang out for an evening, uh, grab a ticket. It'd be fun to see you there. Absolutely. And uh, last but not least, make sure to check out that TCG player link below. I am uh, at Kess Wiley everywhere on the internet. Oh, uh, tonight we are doing, if you're listening to this on Monday night, uh, or if you missed it and you want to just check it out, because uh, it will live there forever, as or not forever, but until Twitch kicks it off as a VOD, we're doing our uh, Innistrad Midnight Hunt um, uh, Commander Brew Off on stream, twitch.tv slash Kess Wiley at uh, 7.30 p.m. PST, so you can hang out. We'll be playing a bunch of new decks. I'm probably playing the new Blue Black Investigate Legend. Um, I don't know what Ben is playing. I don't know if he knows what he's playing, but we have a bunch I of cool stuff. I don't know yet. I'm not sure yet. Yeah, so you got to find that out. So we'll see you guys uh, tonight if you pay attention to that. If not, we'll see you guys next week. Thank you so much, and we'll talk to you all every Monday, every Monday on this podcast. Bye, guys. Bye.